We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 1. And that's what we're starting in the fall here as a series in the year of Galatians. We're going to move from Galatians to Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. That's, that's the path that we're on. Uh, of course, we're going to take breaks in between. There's Thanksgiving. There's Missions Month. October is Missions Month here at Westgate. And I'll just mention that at the end of October, we're going to have a presentation from Rescue. And then we move from Missions Month, October, when we, uh, November, when we start getting ready for Christmas. And, and of course, Christmas happens at the end of November and throughout December. And so there are the breaks that we'll be taking in the, in the, the, the uh, path that we are on but open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to ask you a question here. Have you ever played the if-only game? And you're thinking, if-only game? What do you mean by that? You know, If only we had lived closer to my parents. If only we didn't have to move. If only we had a bigger house. If only I were married to someone different. If only I had children, or if only I didn't have children. <laughs> if only I didn't have so many children, or if only I could have another child. If only I hadn't lost a child. If only my husband or wife would communicate. If only my spouse was more spiritual. If only God would be easier to understand. If only God would make it simpler. If only God would not have so many rules. I don't know what your if only may be, but I think many of us play that if only game. Would salvation be any easier if only God had given us a rule book? A book of do's and don'ts with points. You know, like you get three points for this, you get two points for that, and every time you don't do something or you do something wrong, you lose a point, that type of stuff. Would that make salvation any easier? And if you reach 100 points, you're in heaven? Yeah. Wow. Some people do. They try to turn the Bible into a rule book. And that's not what the Bible is. The Bible tells us about God, his character, his attributes, his power, his expectations, his love. But it's not a rule book. The Bible tells us about our hopelessness and God giving hope. If you add to the gospel or you take away from the gospel, you're deserting Christ. Sometimes we read the Bible the wrong way. We add to the gospel or we take away from the gospel. Sometimes we turn the Bible, as I've already said, into that book of rules. To desert, and we're going to find that word in our passage this morning, to desert, and sometimes Christians do that, to desert means to transfer allegiance from one to another. So not desert and not the dessert we eat, but to desert someone. Kind of strange, the English language. I always struggle. As you probably know, that English is not my first language, but, you know, there, there I am, so I always struggle a little bit. 
but God loves me. God loves me because I am so wonderful, good, smart, strong. No, 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 no. God loves me. That's what grace is. Not because I'm so wonderful, because I'm so great, I'm so strong, I'm so smart, I'm this, I'm that. I want you to know that God loves you because he loves you. You know, the Jews, and it's so easy, it's so easy to get this stuff mixed up. And when we get this stuff mixed up, we're adding to the gospel and we're beginning to desert Christ. We're beginning to desert the gospel. Jews in Paul's day did that. They thought that they were special because they kept the law. But God says to them in Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 to 9. And, and sometimes we ourselves today think that the Jews was all about law-keeping. But Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 9 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Is God. He is the faithful God, keeping the covenant of love to a thousand generations, to those who love him and keep his commandments. They were special because God's love was tied into a promise. Because of God's love, they were special and a promise was made. God's love for you and for me is tied into a promise. It's unconditional love for humanity. And it's, saved, it, 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 it's received through faith, through believing. Grace. That leads us to grace. And Galatians is all about grace. Grace is an integral part of God's love. Grace is receiving more than we deserve. Mercy is withholding what we deserve, the punishment. Grace is giving us more, not punishment, because that would be what we deserve. But grace is the blessings of God, salvation, more than we deserve. Grace is hard to accept. So it's easy to add works or law or legalism to grace. So I don't want us to be too hard on, we could say, the Jews in Paul's day. Because I think we'll see the same thing being repeated in our culture today. You know, the gospel of Christ plus equals nothing. So Christ plus anything equals nothing. The gospel is about God's grace. And it's easy to add something to it. But when we add something to it, there's something strange that usually occurs. We could say fear. 
the concepts of approvals and everything else that comes with it. The question, when have I done enough? The results, despair. I don't know if I've done enough. Not only that, it leads us to look over the fence into the neighbor's yard. And so we look over the fence to see what's happening in the neighbor's yard. And sometimes we see the neighbor's yard not as nice as our yard. And so that makes us feel better. That's pride. Sometimes we look over the fence and we see our neighbor's yard from our perspective nicer than our yard. And that leads to jealousy and other things. A comparison game. And then we create the works police who define what a Christian is by works. The do's and the don'ts. Living in the grace of Christ is so different. The churches in Galatia They were young churches. The gospel had been just proclaimed a few years earlier. And many embraced the gospel because the gospel gave freedom. But it seemed too easy. And sometimes I've heard that from people where they say to me, that's just too easy. It doesn't make sense. Maybe a way to understand salvation by grace is to say, show me love. I know. Seems strange. Show me love. Can you really say that you love someone without action? I remember as a kid seeing a license plate from Missouri in Canada. And on it I read, show me state. Boy, that really stuck in my mind. I don't think that the Missouri plates have that on on their license plates anymore. But I remember that. Missouri license plate used to have show me state on it. The story is told by William Duncan Vandiver. He was born in Montgomery County, Missouri on January 21st, 1854. From 1897 to 1903, he represented the Missouri's 9th Congressional District as a Democrat. Vandiver was renowned for his oratory skills, humor, and grasp of the ideals of his people. And Vandermeer wanted to convey the independent and skeptical spirit of the Missourians when he used the words, show me. And it came to represent the notion that deeds and proof speak louder than words alone and serve as the state's rallying cry. Huh, isn't that interesting? And then that moniker, show me state, just took a hold and it became a uniqueness for the state of Missouri. Show me. James, James, a half-brother of Jesus, writes the book of James. And in James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, you can look it up yourself in, the, in your Bible. It says, James says, remember this God writing through James, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? 
Can that kind of faith save someone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. We have to realize that God's love for you for humanity, is demonstrated through action. God just didn't say, oh, I love you guys. See you maybe someday, <laughs> you know, or something like that. No, God says, I love you, and I want you to spend eternity with me. So I'm going to make that possible. And he took on human form. He wasn't a superhero, we could say, as we find in our, in, our, in our comic books and things like that today. He wasn't that. He took on human flesh through virgin birth. He walked this earth for 32 plus years. He died on the cross of Calvary without sin so that you and I could be restored back into relationship. A perfect life to ransom a sinful life. So God's love is seen in one really, really big act of love. And then it continues through his promises and his presence with us. So let me ask you that question again. Can you really say that you love someone without action? There's a danger, and I know that, that here's, here's a danger lurking behind all of this. The actions of love can be created from wrong motives. Okay? See, and that's what leads us down a road right away and spills into something else, and we come back to the book of Galatians. The acts of love can be created from wrong motives. Duty, works, insecurity, justification. The question that probably needs to be asked is, what does your love look like? If you were married, or you had a friend, and you told them you loved them, and then you did nothing to please them. In fact, let's say you continuously did things that were in such opposition to the person's desire or will, that your claim to love did not make sense at all. What do you think they would think? What do you think they might say? Or if you did things for the person you say you love, but they are always done or motivated with the intent to get something from them. Is that love? I remember as a kid, you know, uh, those prayers, I had lots of them, you know. Lord, if you would do this, you know, like, I'll do this. So, Lord, if you'd get me a bicycle, I would do this. You know, this type of stuff, right? I think we've all been there with those, you know. Where our love is motivated with the intent to get something. You see, grace is tough. So we come back to the book of Galatians and, and we realize that grace is tough. 
And Paul, Paul is really forceful here in this first chapter. Grace says it's all done, but you need to accept it. You need to believe or have faith. And belief is only visible through action. Words can declare faith, but acts or action is the true evidence, especially when the setting is tough. So a point system for salvation would be really easy for those of you, for myself, let's say, who are a little bit competitive. And so works legalism also tips the scale in that area. If you add to the gospel or take away from the gospel, you're deserting Christ. Grace is tough because the moment you add anything to grace, you're deviating from grace. Churches in Galatia were adding to the gospel. They were adding to grace. And I believe the same thing is happening today, and that's one of the issues that we face today. We add to grace on two sides, but we'll really mainly look at the one side because we see that in Galatians. So Galatians 6 to 10 reads as follows. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to another gospel. The moment you add to the gospel, it's different. It's, it's not the gospel. You are deserting Christ. Verse 7, which is really no gospel at all. So the moment you add to the gospel, you come to no gospel. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Oh, here we see Paul. He's really getting kind of getting steamed here. Verse 8. And even if we, and he includes himself now in this, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Wow. I mean, that doesn't fit in our culture today because that's, we'd say, the area of intolerance and everything else like that kind of. Verse 9, he repeats it again. Look at verse 9. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This was... These young churches, Galatia was an area filled with young churches, new churches, church plants. Every Christian needs discipleship. Discipleship is so important. It's so key. And salvation is more than just praying a prayer. And so often salvation has been sold as just praying a prayer. It's learning to live beyond that in grace. Past the circumstances, past the current situation. It's moving from if only to God's love is real and that is all I need. And I will respond in love because I believe. 
And it takes time. For some, it clicks together faster than for others. Remember Jesus who tells the parable about the sower and the seed? Do you remember that parable, the sower and the seed? Jesus tells that parable. And there's four soils. There's the rocky places. Well, the verse begins with the path, right? And the birds come and, and eat the seed. The seed doesn't even have a chance. Yeah, the pictures are on the side. Yeah. And then the rocky soil where, where it starts to sprout, but there's no moisture there, and so just gone. And the weedy places, and the weeds take over, and finally the good soil, right? And it produces a multiplied crop because disciples of Jesus are to make disciples of Jesus. Good soil, though, is developed through discipleship. And we forget that. Good soil is developed through discipleship. Many Christians in Galatia, in that region, were deserting Christ. They were turning to a different gospel. I got those verses there for you, 6 to 10. And this different gospel was, and today is very subtle, but it removes the truth of grace and establishes assurance of salvation through something else. And many times, at least in the case of the, in the, case of the Galatian churches, through the Old Testament and Jewish laws. It's really confusing. It's so close. It perverts the gospel Gospel means good news. And so when we add to it or take away from it, it's not the good news anymore. And the good news is that Jesus paid for your sins. God forgives you. So anything that you add to that takes away from the good news that your salvation is free. And it's a result of God's love of the action of his love. That different gospel is different than God's gospel. The different gospel many times goes something like this. Jesus died for your sins. That's grace. And grace gives you power to keep God's laws and build a holy character for heaven. Well, that, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Today, a close parallel to this different gospel of Paul's day. And I don't like to do this, but I'll say this is taught by the Seventh-day Adventists. Who say that we are to worship on Saturday instead of on Sunday. Because Saturday is the Sabbath. And it's the seventh day of the week. And we're to worship on the seventh day. And the arguments continue. And they encourage a vegetarian lifestyle. And it comes under the guise or the umbrella of healthiness. But really it's so you don't eat any unclean foods. And so you follow the Jewish dietary laws. Worldwide Church of God did the same teachings, and it's now somewhat dismantled stuff. Herbert W. Armstrong was the founder. Some of you might know that. Followed that same kind of distorted gospel. It's subtle. 
they all agree that salvation is through grace by faith in Christ. But there's this fine print. There's this fine print. Today, many people are adding to their faith, and I hear that. People are wondering about the Jewish laws, about dietary laws, about Jewish holidays, and things like that. And so they're thinking about worshiping on Saturdays because that must be more right. And so I must be then closer to Jesus if I do something that's more right. You can't get any closer to Jesus. Grace has brought you as close to Jesus as you can get. Dietary laws are added. Celebration of holy days. In fact, some even begin to ask about circumcision. And this is what was happening in the church in Galatia. And the church is there. They're trying to become, I guess, the closest for our sake, I would say, as Messianic Jews, when they're not really Jewish. And it's confusing. They are hoping that these things that they do will bring them closer to Jesus. That in some way they will please Jesus. That they will have a greater assurance of God's salvation. They have, in a way, added earning salvation. If you add to the gospel or you take away from the gospel, you're deserting Christ. Discipleship is so key. And so here at Westgate, we want to encourage discipleship. The Alpha Course, connecting points, small groups. Discipleship is so important. It's a great danger to embrace a different gospel. And that's what Paul is saying. Because that different gospel is no gospel at all. And the moment you grab a hold of that different gospel, you have deserted Christ. And when you desert Christ, your salvation is gone. Your salvation is based on Christ. That's what Paul says. Not me. That's what Paul says. And Paul states it twice so clearly. And he even includes himself. Galatians 1, 8 and 9. But even if we were, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. You see, the gospel changes a person's life. And Paul reminds the churches in Galatia that the gospel, that encounter of the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, changed his life completely. And his salvation is through grace in Christ. He came to realize that it's through God's intervention, not through works. You can't earn God's love.
And that created radical change in his life. He stopped persecuting Christians. He stopped chasing the Jewish law. His life changed. And instead of all of that, they saw the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. They saw Christ. They saw the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so people saw Jesus. And that's what happened in this region of Galatia. They saw Jesus in Paul, the testimony, and they said, we want that. Yet many today fall into the same snare. And the question is, can we trust grace? So if you add anything to the grace of Christ, you have nothing. See that anything connects to ego, to self. And we love to tell people what we have done, how hard we work at our salvation, that we have regular devotions, that we tithe to the church, that we regularly attend church, that we help the poor people or people in need, that we read through the Bible every year, that we memorize the scriptures, that we keep short accounts of sin, and it continues. And these are all good things, and they are all right things. But the moment they come from the wrong motivation, and the moment we start bragging about them, the moment our pride is boosted through them, we've lost something. So I want to challenge us. Let's make sure that people see and therefore understand why we believe. Why we do what we do. Living in grace is difficult. Because we're not trying to win the approval of God. We're not trying to win the approval of people. We're not trying to please people. And so Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? And the answer is no. Or am I trying to please people? And the answer is no. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. We're living in the fact that we are forgiven and fully accepted by God because of grace through Christ. Grace through Christ alone equals everything. But it's hard to live there. Total reliance on Jesus. That's hard. I want to encourage you to do that. Worship team, they're making their way up to the front. They're going to lead us in our closing song, The Power of Your Love, so fitting to what we have looked at this morning.